When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like casually dating without sex, helicopter mother-in-laws, nope, mothers-in-law is the correct plural there, (laughs) and when our families don't believe us. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health professionals or relationship advice people. We've never gone to school for this. We've never done this in practice. Yep. We are just here with microphones <laughs> because like free speech. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> we essentially can just say whatever speech. we want. <laughs> I'm here because I listened to like two episodes of Brene Brown's podcast. <laughs> There you go. That's it. Yeah. So this is all to say Sam and I are not professional. So please take our advice as you see fit. We are just here to offer our humble musings, selfishly shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So this week's check-in topic is inspired by a DM that we got from a listener. I think it's really cute. And they asked... Quote, I think any longtime JBU listeners are familiar with the hashtag block, block, block. But can you guys give an, maybe an updated guide to it as it's something you introduced a few years back? Things I've wondered about that I'd love your thoughts on. Is it meant to be permanent? Do you ever only block on certain places and leave them unblocked on others? A more in-depth guide of sorts on how we do a block, block, block would be appreciated. <laughs> cute, right? Yeah. That is very cute. So if you don't know, um, Sam and I sort of coined this phrase. I think Sam did it, actually. It was your technique originally that you implemented on me. (laughs) Um, Yes, I made you do it. Yes. (laughs) I did it Uh, for you. I took your phone. Yeah, you really did. Um, We say hashtag (laughs) black, black, black um, when you break up with somebody or when you have a toxic person in your life or you have an ex that's just like hanging around in the periphery or there's a situation ship or or something that is like taking away from the general joy and clarity of your life. We say Mm -hmm. block them, black, 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 because... Uh, I thought it'd be really good to start with like the why of why we, why we do this and why we make this joke. Yeah. Yep. Do you, Oh, you're saying I should say that. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, (laughs) this was your mantra uh, that you, (laughs) I don't know, but you were doing such a great job of explaining it. I was like, Oh, Sierra's on a roll. I'm going to pour myself more coffee, (laughs) get get into it. Literally the role was to set you up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I like it. Um, Yeah. So the reason why we do the block, block, block is because we know that like people don't deserve unfettered access to us all the time. And so like, even though that's what society tells us is that like, because we live in this like digital age with social media and phones that sit in our pockets and all of that good stuff that like people should have constant access to us. And that's not true. And people, we should have constant people access don't to deserve them. It. That's the li- that's another <laughs> right, lie exactly. we tell ourselves that we like need to see sure. what our exes are doing. <laughs> Absolutely, especially and and like 
with social media, like you can see, right? You can see now that your ex is on vacation with someone in Hawaii, right? right? Like that is that is the reality now. And like, yes, maybe in the past we would have known that people were like going to Hawaii with their with their new bow, but like now we have to see it and like live it, right? Because there, it's just like it's in our stories, it's in our Instagram mm-hmm. feed, it's on Snapchat, it's wherever it is. Um, and I also think Sierra and I both think this that distance is actually really important when it comes to healing, yes, right? Totally. Sort of having the wound reopened over and over again by seeing people, by having them contact us is challenging. And I think we both also view some of those really toxic relationships um, as being like kind of addictive, totally. right? Like, and so putting distance between us and the thing that is causing us harm that we are also, that are also our brains are really attached to helps us sort of see how difficult, toxic, unhealthy, unhelpful, unnutritious those people are for us in our lives. So it's like a lot of amazing things that go into blocking. Like it's like you just reap so many benefits from it. So I can't promote it enough. Yeah, I'm (laughs) glad for this check-in topic because it, it does help me like reframe why we say this. You know, it's not just like... We're not trying to be cruel. It's not petty. Yes, and it's not petty. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the word I'm looking for. Um, it's not petty to say, you know what? We had this intimate relationship. We broke up. I I think I need some time and space and distance from you. Even if it wasn't an unhealthy relationship, it is totally sure. new and unnatural. It's a new and unnatural phenomenon that we have all of this access to each other, right? Um mm-hmm. So I'm a huge fan of the black, black, black. I didn't know. I didn't know y'all. I didn't know until like literally (laughs) weeks before we started the podcast when Sam took my phone and blocked my ex's (laughs) social media and his phone number from my phone. You want to tell him the funny story about what happened when you blocked my phone number or his phone number from my phone? Um, Yeah. We were on a patio. We were on a patio. Uh, I accidentally called him instead of blocking him. But I like hung up immediately, but it was an iPhone to an iPhone. So like it would have come up on his phone. That's you didn't tell me for months. But good news is she didn't even know because he was blocked immediately. I didn't know because you lied to me. (laughs) I did not lie. I just did not tell you. (laughs) Also to just paint the scene a little bit more. um, It was like dusk, but I was wearing sunglasses because I was crying so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. Imagine y'all. Imagine if I had told her that I accidentally called him. It would not have gone well. I was I was being kind. Oh my god, that is so funny. Okay, referencing the questions from the DM. Um, so when you block someone, Sam, is it meant to be permanent? It doesn't have to be. I think it's right? situational. And here's the thing about yeah. like Yeah, absolutely. I think here's the thing about all of the questions in this DM that I want to be like specific about, right? Like I want us to be goal oriented when it comes to the block, <laughs> right? So like what are you doing? Why are you doing the block? You're like what is the thing that you're today. trying to do? <laughs> I can tell you're in <laughs> right? your so zone. Like, <laughs> so like goal oriented. All of these questions No, all of these questions around like the process of the block are like it depends on what your goal is, mm. right? So like for me, when I discovered the block for myself, it was like I needed to block this person on literally everything for as long as possible because right. I didn't want them to have access to me. And they were trying to find me in ways that I was really frustrated with because I was right. like, your email's blocked and now you're coming at me on LinkedIn. Like 
all of this stuff. So it was like, I have to block this person and I have to like, it has to be hard and fast. And I don't, because I don't want them to continue to contact me. Right. It might be that like, oh, I am seeing a lot of this person's stuff on Instagram and I just don't want it clouding my feed anymore. So they're mm -hmm. blocked on Instagram, but like I also, we share a dog, so they have to have access to my email so that like they can email me about things if right. we need to like figure out the dog logistics. Right. Like let's like, I know that we talk about it as like a really hard and fast rule. And I think that like, like airing on the side of hard too much block yep. is probably the best, yep. right? Like in my experience and recognize that like, it's going to be different in every situation. And it depends on what your goals and your boundaries and your requirements are yeah. of like how you need to communicate with that person. So like it all depends, right? Yes. But I do think that like, we probably are going to err often on the side of like giving people too much access to us because like we're so nice <laughs> and like we don't want to be mean to people. Yeah. But like I think that you should you should try and put as much distance between yourself and others when there is like hurt and toxicity and stuff. There. I would also add that like echoing that I think it it's situational. And sometimes when Sam and I say like block this person, we also that also could entail just unfollowing them if you're not the type of person who like self harms by typing in the person's Instagram. Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, if it you know Sam's talking about his experience with Black 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 was like he needed to not only create space for himself in his life and healing, he needed to protect himself from the, this toxic person contacting him. So that's where like a black, black, black is yep. like, so, so crucial, you know, that they don't, they, they don't yep. have access to that, to you, but there's mm -hmm. other circumstances in which it's like a black, black, black is so you don't have access to them. That was a hundred percent why black, black, black was important to me because even though I was like this motherfucker cheated on me and then had the audacity to cheat on me again <laughs> and then had the audacity to fucking break up with me because <laughs> yeah. I'm weak. Um, <laughs> I needed to block, block, block so that I didn't have access to him so that I didn't fall back into those habits so that I could stay resolute and strong in why I didn't want to be with this person so that I didn't like get those right. weird, confusing feelings. Sam, this is a question we get right. a ton about block, block, block. Do you have to let the person know that you're blocking them? No. Why not? Because they'll find out eventually. I don't know. Or it might be better for them to not find out and think that you still are following them. Right. Like. Because it doesn't, you don't, they don't necessarily deserve that, that access to you again. Right. And like, I actually, there's a really interesting episode of Invisibilia about this, where they were talking about like sort of friendship breakups and whether or not they're like successful. And the, like what they talked about was it's like, actually, as you continue to put distance between yourself and friends that are like no longer serving you, it's actually often better to not tell them that that's happening because then it just feels like more organic and they don't necessarily notice that it's happening. And it's, it doesn't create this like friction or rift that's happening right. um, where suddenly you're having this really intense discussion with someone you're trying to put distance between yourselves with. Right. So like, I'm okay with the idea of like, I'm going to say something to you to let you know that I'm blocking you and then blocking you, but you also don't have to do that. Like it isn't, a, it isn't a requirement of the block. You can just block them. Well, and, and then yeah. if they have a problem with it, guess what? It's not your problem. Yeah. <laughs> like your boundaries are they not can figure their that choices. out on their own. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I yeah. also think that for me, at least the, the urge to tell someone that you're blocking them comes out in one of two ways. Obviously there's more nuance to it, but 
typically comes out in one of two ways. One, you want to say like your last fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a it's a spiteful saying of like, listen, you don't get access to me. And listen, I'm fine with that. If you want to send that last fuck you, that's great. But also at the end of the day, this fuck you is for you <laughs> and not for them. Yeah. Like you What's the goal? What's, what's the, goal the goal there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> or it comes out like this. You want you have so many unfinished things that you want to say to them, which guess what? We all have unfinished conversations that will haunt us for the rest of our lives. There will not be a mm-hmm. life in which you finish every conversation or you get to say everything you want to say to the people. And more importantly, you're never going to hear everything you want to hear from these people. So I'm wary of yep. the reaching out because I don't want you to anticipate them saying, oh, my God, please don't block me. I'm going to change everything about myself so that I still get access to your Instagram stories, you know, like that's not going to happen. And so, you know, I think thinking back to my first hashtag BBB, I, if Sam hadn't done it for me, I would have felt the need to say, listen, I'm, I'm going to block you. And here's why I would have felt the need to justify it. And that deep down, that would be my urge to just talk to that person again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And which is yep. all okay and very human. But I think I err on the side of you. This is not, this is not about them. This is not about them. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's about you and your it's peace not. and your clarity. So if you want to send that last, yep. like this is what's happening, especially if it's, a, you know, we, I think we get a lot of letters of people like we dated for seven years. And then I feel like, I feel like I'm really betraying this relationship by blocking them or whatever, you know, even though I know it'd be good for yep. my healing, you know, guess what? Sometimes that's important. And like, sometimes a respectful letter that's like, I respect you. I want you the best for you. I think this is going to be the best for my healing. I wish you all the well. Uh, I wish you the best, right? That's a fine mm-hmm. message. But typically I would just say like, what's the goal? <laughs> and the goal is, mm-hmm. you know, f- f- the goal is in blocking is giving your life more peace and clarity so that you can find healing. Period. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any last thoughts on hashtag BBB? Better Business Bureau? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, just just another continued endorsement of this of this idea, even as people are like, oh, it feels so uncomfortable, yes, which totally. like, I totally get. But it again, it's just like. We are we are really socialized to think that people should have unfettered access to us and that like more access to us is a good thing. Yes. Right? And like, I, I can picture people I love saying, oh, well. I don't, you know, it feels like an asshole thing to do or whatever. I want us to just put that in perspective. Like, you know what an asshole thing to do is, is like to like kick somebody's animal. (laughs) You know what I mean? An asshole thing to do is, (laughs) is to, um, cheat on them and flaunt it in their face or, you know, like let's, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, let's be goal oriented and put things in perspective, you know, being an asshole isn't saying, you know what, like. I just don't want to have to fucking look at your face anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And actually like being an asshole is like actively disliking a person and still being like, yeah, but I don't want to like put distance between us or whatever. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like it's actually much kinder to be like, Hey, I want to be really upfront with the fact that I don't want you in my life because of these circumstances. Yes. And so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to like perform for you. I'm not going to be fake to you. Right. Right. 
Right. I love this check-in topic. And I actually love the idea of like returning to some of our Just Breakup staples. So if any of you want us to do like a recap or like an updated <laughs> user manual version mm -hmm. of some of the things that we talk about, shoot us a DM at Just Breakup Pod on Instagram. And thank you to our DMer who suggested this check-in topic. All right, everyone. Our first letter comes from Serial Ride or Die, whose pronouns are she, they, who is writing from London. Uh, Serial Ride or Die writes, Hi, Sam and Sierra. Thank you truly for all of the good that you do here. I've been listening for months now, and I love waking up to see a new episode from you both. I've had a pretty rough year, as most of us have, and have suffered not one, but two soul-destroying breakups from my fiancé of nearly three years and then from an addictive situationship of six months that ripped me apart. I only got through the last one, in fact, because of your podcast. So thank you, really. I'm writing because I spent the better half of this past year healing, and I recently decided that I was ready to date again. I've had a year of therapy. I've read almost every book you have recommended on the podcast. I started journaling and taking self-care days. I even just last week went on my first solo trip and took myself on a date. Here's the thing, though. I don't want a relationship. As a recovering codependent and a chronic people pleaser with daddy issues and plenty of heartbreak, I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm in a great place in terms of my relationship with myself. Mm. I know it sounds like a defense mechanism, and maybe it is, but I'm loath to allow another person to intrude on that right now. The struggle for me here is that I want to casually date. I have never done anything casual in my life. But the only examples I seem to find are the cliches that you see in rom-coms. The stories that say you either have to be completely emotionally detached for it to stay casual based on sex or you will fall in love. Over the past few weeks, mm. I've started to realize that I might be on the ace spectrum, which may explain why that sounds like the absolute worst for me. I want to start seeing someone casually because I love getting to know someone intimately, non-physically, and I really miss non-sexual intimacy. I have come to accept that I crave intimacy and I'm okay with that now. I spend so long... Sorry, Spence. I spent so long repressing who I am and how I felt in past relationships. I no longer want to do that. I also have no interest in dating multiple people. So in all reality, this would look like me having a quasi relationship slash non relationship mashup with someone. Everyone seems to think that I, this can't be done and I can't find any successful stories to emulate. My question is, am I kidding myself by thinking that I can make casual dating into what I want it to be? Can I be my authentic self and refuse to hold back emotions, refuse to appear cool and aloof whilst keeping clear boundaries necessary to have a casual relationship with someone, especially because I'm not in it for the sex? And then if you do think it's possible, how do I go about setting those boundaries? Because I feel like there's no easy way to bring that up. You know, like we're having dinner for the third time or whatever, but no one has mentioned where it's going. And I just what go. So how about we set up some boundaries? Yeah, <laughs> please help. Thank you so much for being so great. Oh, thank you so much for writing and for listening to the podcast. Um, I'll start by just saying like, great job. It sounds like you've done a lot of work to get to know yourself better. And you've done a lot of self-articulation, which is, is normally like the first half of the hill. You know what I mean? <laughs> so great job. You're, mm -hmm. you're at a great place in your journey. If the first step is knowing yourself, the next step is going to be implementing those desires, right? And not having to apologize mm -hmm. or justify or lessen them in the face of other people's desires of you. Right. And that's hard. I mean, I think, mm -hmm. I think everybody would agree <laughs> that the first 
hurdle is finding out what you want. And the second hurdle is often like being prepared to face backlash or pushback or, you know, to not listen to people pleasing urges to say what you really want. One of the mentors that I've experienced in my life, her name is Beth. Um, she always says that it, values are something that you have to be comfortable losing something over, mm. right? Like those are things. So if you have something like this where you're wow. saying like, I'm only interested in pursuing non-sexual, intimate, casual relationships with people. That's great. Amazing. Love that for you. And you have to be willing to sacrifice things in order to to adhere to that as well. Right. So that means that, yeah, you're going to have to have <laughs> weird conversations with people. Pretty early, right? too. You like know what maybe I mean? like in the dating early. profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Like... You're going to have people who are going to be like, that's not for me. And you're going to have to be okay with that because this is the thing that you're picking. And actually, that's great, right? Like, that's the benefit yes. of being upfront about the things that you are interested in. It means that people are going to screen themselves out who aren't interested in those things. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world where we're socialized to interpret any sort of disconnection with people as being like rejection. Or cruelty. Right? Like we're trained to think, right, and be like, oh, God. I've done something wrong because that person doesn't want to be with me. Right. When in reality, you've done the right thing because now that person knows they don't want to be with you. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Because they know you well enough right. to make that decision and to say like, our needs aren't compatible or what we're looking for isn't compatible. So let's not go down this journey of like trying to shoehorn ourselves into this relationship. That's not going to work for both right. of us. Right. I forgot at the beginning of this, of this letter, I wanted to quickly, since we're doing like a recap episode, <laughs> um, define yeah. asexuality, which is the letter writer used the short term ace. Um, and so asexuality is someone who it experiences little to no sexual attraction. Sexual attraction in basic terms means that you find someone sexually appealing and you want to have sex with them. It doesn't mean ace people don't participate in sexual relationships or do they don't ever feel sexual um, desire. It it's, can be fluid. It can be very rigid. Um, but that is what right. ace sexuality means from my under from my not experienced understanding of it. And going back to what Sam said about, um, you know, the the gift of knowing what you want, I think that just like any other like specific relationship requirement, the key is to be explicit and upfront about your desires and boundaries as soon as possible, because that empowers you and empowers potential partners or potential non-partners to decide whether or not they can give you what you need. Right. Or they can meet you where you're at or whatever. I think about, um, you know, other dating scenarios where people like want an open relationship. Well, that should be something discussed very early on so that feelings don't get hurt, so that wires don't get crossed. And so that that person can actively consensually decide to pursue that relationship with you with full transparency. Right. And I know mm -hmm. it feels awkward, but this is the world we're trying to build, y'all. We're trying to build a world in which our dating profiles at least reference <laughs> the bare bones of what we're looking for um, because that yeah. can save a lot of um, conflict. And, and also it's like, it's refreshing. I think it's hot. <laughs> for sure. Well, and cause like if we don't do this type of work around naming our preferences, our boundaries, our 
our desires, then what we're going to do is fall back on assumptions around monogamy, assumptions yes, around heteronormativity, assumptions around around cisgenderness, assum- like assumptions around gender roles, right? Like, because that is, that is how we've been socialized to view what normal is, right? What, so like we are pushing to exist in a world where we are all really good at articulating our desires because it's important for us to recognize that all of our desires are unique and diverse, right? There is no one right or best way of behaving in relationships. And so the more we can be upfront about and normalize being upfront with, this is what I'm looking for, this is what I want, the more we can dismantle this idea that there's only one right or best way of being in relationship with people. Absolutely. I do, I want to point out one um, potential hurdle that I see um, in your letter that like, hasn't happened yet. I don't know. (laughs) Like it was something that I was, it wasn't a red flag, but it stood out to me. Um, the desire to casually date when you're talking about what potentially sounds like a casual partnership with one person. Am I, did I, Mm. did I interpret that wrong? Um, it sounded like the letter writer, like wanted to get to know one person intimately at a time. Um, but the, I guess the way I have internalized the phrase casual dating is like, you know, dating around, dating multiple people at once, you know, like maybe not reaching that full deeper level of intimacy. That might be, again, a monogamous assumption on my part. Um, Mm -hmm. But I guess I just wanted to add that to the conversation to give you maybe some more language letter writer to be like, I'm looking for a casual partnership with one person or are you looking for casual um, entanglements with multiple people? You know, that's just something that Mm -hmm. stood out to me that I wanted some clarification on. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. And that's something that you can also put in your, Mm -hmm. in your dating profile or as your, and it does. And if this is a lot to put in your dating profile, that's fine too. You can say one of the things that's here and I talked about too is like when somebody's like, hey, do you want to like get together after you've done the like chatting thing? You can say, yeah, absolutely. I'd be interested. And I'm curious about what you are looking for from this this dating app, because here's what I'm looking for. And then you can figure out if those things are are compatible um, and be prepared for folks to not be able to articulate those things very well, because um you know, we're not trained, <laughs> we're not socialized mm-hmm. to be able to articulate what we want or what we need from relationships very well. Um, but it is something that you can you can bring up and it doesn't have to be a weird conversation. Like we don't, we can just say it's not weird. Like we can collectively agree that it's not weird to do these yeah. things and then they won't be weird anymore. Like right. that's the reality of, of the world. Um, but I also just want to create space too for the fact that like you are continuing to learn and grow about yourself and that as we all continue to learn and grow more about ourselves, that the things that we want and the things that we're pursuing can change, right? So I feel like the idea of it's great that you know what you want in this moment and that you have boundaries around those things. And if those boundaries change in future relationships, like great, absolutely, mm-hmm. let's do that, right? And that's what's so wonderful about being articulate about and being upfront with our desires is that then when those things change, we can change how we approach relationships with people, right? And we can continue to learn and grow more about ourselves and what we want and begin to define those things as we, as we go along. Totally. So like, I'm just really excited that you're like in this journey to know yourself more fully and that you're thinking about 
how you want to be really clear and loyal to those things that you want. Um, like it just excites me to know that there are people out there who are doing that and that like are committed to that. That's, that's wonderful. I love that phrase loyal to what you want. So I think I'll close by just saying something that will help in this, like Sam's right. You know, this is only awkward if we all think it's awkward. So let's agree to think that it's not awkward, you know? And also we're not socially conditioned to be at least the majority of us are not socially conditioned to be really explicit and upfront and upfront and unapologetic about some of these things because we have been conditioned to the opposite, to think that we are hurting people, denying people being cruel by not giving them unfettered Mm -hmm. access to our, to us in ways in which we don't enjoy. (laughs) Um, So something that I would encourage you to do, especially during this time, as you start to explore this new, this new you in this new dating style is to write is to journal and to journal what are the what would you say in those circumstances practice mm. practice saying uh what do you you know write out what are you interested in in what brought you to this dating app um what are you looking for in a relationship uh because these are the things i'm looking for or practice what would come up in a moment of conflict or in a moment in not conflict, but differing I visions for what the relationship is. Um, say, I respect your desires. This is really what I'm looking for right now. I'm exploring this part of myself and I'm not interested in while I find you really attractive and I, or I'm very interested in you. I'm not interested in a sexual relationship with you. Practice those phrases because the more we normalize, um, saying what we think is going against the grain, the smoother that surface becomes, right? The smoother those conversations, the more resolute we become in those statements about ourselves. Like, like Sam said, the more loyal we are to ourselves. Mm-hmm. All right, my darling, thank you so much for writing and we hope this helps. Absolutely. We love you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which... (laughs) Um, I am never not in slippers, and these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers, and I love that they're slip-on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to, like, take the trash out in them while also, like, staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash justbreakup. All right. The next letter is coming to us from Rees Entful whose pronouns are she, her, who's writing to us from Canada in parentheses, I'm freezing. (laughs) Same, same girl. (laughs) Hello, Sam and Sierra. First of all, thank you for caring as much as you do about all of us listeners. You guys have a huge influence on my personal desires to always strive for new perspectives and be patient with myself and others. I'm going to keep this as short and to the point as possible. Mine is the age old tale of the mother-in-law figure in my life. My boyfriend, Jay, 25, and I have been together for a year and a half. We were friends for years prior and fell in love and have a beautiful, secure, hilarious relationship. Throughout the years, I've gotten to know Jay's family very well. We've gone on trips with them, spent holidays, bonded over similar interests, etc. The problem I'm having is this. Jay's mom is a helicopter mom. I mean, it's bad. He can't do a load of laundry without mom hovering and correcting the precise amount of detergent he uses, let alone load a dishwasher or basically leave his bedroom. If he opens the refrigerator, she hustles into the kitchen to see what he's looking for. On top of this behavior, she... She singles him out. Jay and I are both vegans and recently at a family gathering, a relative made vegan chili for us while we ate. His mom asked, isn't this chili good, Jay? And that is essentially how every conversation happens when I'm at their house. I mean, we dressed up for a wedding and when preparing to leave, mom came in and had Jay turn around to show her how he looked as though I wasn't even in the room. I don't necessarily feel excluded or need the attention. It's just very strange to me. 
On top of this, there are constant texts and calls about his whereabouts, if he's eaten, when he'll be home, etc. It's affected Jay's self-esteem a ton. He's tried confronting her behavior in the past, and it hasn't gone well. His mom will have full breakdowns, throw things, scream, and leave for days at a time if challenged. He's since given up trying to stand up for himself. My question is, is there anything I can do to help? I don't have a relationship with my mom because of her inability to respect my boundaries after being emotionally abused in my childhood. So this is exceptionally hard to stand by and watch. At times, it feels as though Jay's mom is trying to be possessive of him, which is an icky game that I have no interest in playing. I bite my tongue and pretend I don't notice the tone and stay polite and clueless while we're in their company. Jay and I are looking for apartments together, but our timeline is about a year out. In the meantime, he'll be living with his parents. I feel like my patience for this disrespectful behavior is getting thinner each time I'm there. And while I know it isn't my place to intervene, I get heated inside and have a difficult time managing this resentment I feel towards his mom. Jay is a wonderful, loving, humble, supportive person, and the internal hardships he faces all seem to stem from being raised the way he was. Hey, amen to that girl. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. I apologize if this letter is all over the place and appreciate you reading it at all. Thank you again for all the wonderful challenges and opportunities for growth that your podcast has given me. All right, Rees, thank you so much for for writing to us. And um, yeah, this sounds like a really uh, challenging situation to be in, especially given like your own triggers around this too around your own relationship with your mom to watch this type of behavior playing out um and it is really challenging to be the partner of a loved one whose parents are being a certain type of way to them because it's like i see this happening and i know it's happening and also like it's not my relationship and there's like really nothing i can do about it like it's like you have the outsider perspective to see things really clearly and the outsider perspective to not be able to do anything about it totally. <laughs> like at the same time, Totally, which is just such a, a challenging position to be in. So I, I, I really feel for you on this yeah. for sure. Even when Sam and I were prepping for this episode, I was like, I feel a little at a loss for words because we typically, you know, when we're talking about you know, unhealthy, immature parental relationships, we're talking to the chi- the child, you know, the adult child of the emotionally immature parent. Thank you, Dr. Lindsay <laughs> right. Gibson. Um, mm-hmm. And it it adds another layer of um, of complication when this is not your primary caretaker or, you know, like you're you're a part of this family unit in a way, but you're also an observer of it. Um, so it's like mm-hmm. that many more steps removed, which is hard. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think with like all of those layers and all that complexity and all of the triggers that are happening, like it can be really, like we said, it can be really hard to be in the situation and it can be really hard to, to swallow the advice that I'm about to give you, which is that you need to remember that you have absolutely no control over how Jay's mom does anything in her goddamn life (laughs) and that she is incapable of doing anything but the thing that she's doing right now. I don't know what's in your coffee today, but like, like, I think you should drink more of it. (laughs) It's flavored decaf. So I'm I'm officially (laughs) just entered middle age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over here. You're feeling particularly (laughs) holiday spiced. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a little vanilla creme brulee decaf. So (laughs) such a bullshit. It's a bullshit flavor. You know it is. 
They're like, no, you know, it's, it's a vanilla it's the only chai flavor. It's the, it's buttercream. the only flavored decaf they sell yeah, at Target. Yeah, yeah. No, so it's I would the drink only it. option I have I for flavored it. decaf coffee. All right. Re- you would pour, you know, three quarters of a cup of cream okay, in it go first. Eat, but. A, eat a bag <laughs> of you know what? Because I I enjoy cream in my coffee. I want cream to be like the color of Sam's pale skin. I mean, I want my coffee to be. It's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> little segue anyway um yeah and that's um no that's a bitter pill to swallow for sure the idea of like you absolutely have no control over anything that has to do with jay's mom yeah and i wish you did i wish that you could help her figure out how to not be i wish that you so, could help him um yeah for sure um and because like it's you know when we're talking about folks who are are struggling with emotional maturity as Lindsay Gibson, Dr. Lindsay Gibson talks about in her book, right? It's not that they're doing it on purpose because they're mean or bad people. It's coming from a place of a wound that mm. hasn't been healed or that hasn't been acknowledged or that they're struggling to figure out how to uh, move through the world with. And so like the way that she is sort of fixated on Jay and him and sort of singling him out and wanting to to do all of the things and caretake and criticize and then is also so defensive of any sort of pushback or boundary or criticism um, is so frustrating. And it's exactly what she's capable of doing, right? It's exa- exactly what is developmentally appropriate for her, given where she is in her own journey. And one of the ways that we can help ourselves to not breed resentment when it comes to this stuff is to not have expectations of people that they can't meet. And right. your Jay's mom is not capable of doing anything else besides be this sort of overbearing and emotionally defensive parent. It is all that she is capable of doing. And so what your expectations of her are, are unreasonable given the fact that this is all that she can do, right? They're not unjustified, right? I, oh, I, I absolutely love that. agree. I wish I that love she was those behaving two differently. Phrases. Unreasonable versus unjustified. That's very, very good. Right? Unjustified is definitely not a word, but that's sure totally fine. For sure. <laughs> it is in JBU land. Yeah. Yeah, which is all to say that it sucks that you have to do the emotional work that Jay's mom seems incapable of doing. That's right. And... Actually, can you touch on something that we talked about before recording when we were prepping for this episode, you sort of talked about this mother's potential wound in a way that made me sort of like understand her motivations um, and detach myself from wanting to change them, I guess, a little bit. You talked about like parents who see their child as an unhealthy extension of themselves and maybe aren't emotionally mature enough to separate their identity from their child or their parenting role. Yeah, absolutely. I think actually, um, Lindsay Gibson talks about it in the book that we're referencing, which for folks who are like maybe listening to this episode for the first time, uh, is adult children of emotionally immature parents. Um, and I'll, I can also talk about my own experience with a dad who was struggling with sort of, or who, who my relationship with, really felt like I was an extension of him or he treated me like an extension of him, mm-hmm. which is to say that like, um, like m- my dad had such a deep wound and, and struggled so much with his mental health that he really like latched on to me and my sister as being sort of, um, 
part of him and part of his understanding and standing in the world, his sort of legacy in the world. Um, And so really saw us as his, our problems were his problems um, that we had to be sort of set up for the world in the right way where we would never be harmed uh, because if we didn't, then he would have been a bad parent. Right. And so it was like a lot of burden and expectation on us to sort of be to sort of fit his world and the way that he wanted to make it. Um, and it was, it was challenging to be part of that relationship. And so like, I don't know much about Jay's mom, right? We only have like a four, four paragraph letter from you. Um, but I see a lot of that in it to say like that sort of that, that fixation on Jay and making sure that Jay is doing everything right and being so like proud of him and singling him out all the time, right? Strikes me as being, something about some wound is causing her to really see Jay as an extension of herself. And so yeah. whenever that's challenged, whenever that is, whenever he sort of says, nope, her we're identity separate as people, a caretaker too, you know, being able is, to provide yeah, for him. Her identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. is deeply challenged in those moments. Right. And that's why she may be lashing out with this yelling and throwing things and disappearing mm-hmm. for days at a time. Um, and like my dad used to do that too. So <laughs> deeply resonate or deeply yeah. relate to that. Um, which is all to say, again, right, that this is about her wound and that she's not really in this moment unless she's doing the work to help heal that wound in herself. She's not really capable of doing anything else because this is the self-soothing behavior that That's... she has selected and that has like worked for her, right? Not yeah. working for anyone else, but it's working for her. <laughs> so, <laughs> Man, love that. Love that decaf flavored decaf yeah. in you. <laughs> Everything Sam has said has been so eloquent already. So I just want to add two small points before we wrap up. One is about the apartment and the current living situation. And I know, again, like we live in a capitalism. We don't always have the opportunities to go seek housing elsewhere. Um, There are, Mm -hmm. I know that there are unsaid reasons why y'all have the timeline for when you want to move in together. Um, But it makes me think about like, how much is our peace worth, especially in the face of capitalism? Like, Capitalism capitalism makes us uh, prioritize money, working, things like that over actually our wellness and our peace, right? Um, so, So oftentimes I've heard people talk about like, oh, well, I couldn't move out of my parents' house because it wasn't an ideal time financially or, um, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to save money for X, Y, and Z or whatever, so acknowledging all the complicated nuance of having to sometimes sometimes we have to make choices that undermine our wellness because we don't have free housing, right? But I just want to pose like how beneficial space would be in this relationship for both you and for your boyfriend. So like yeah. Can you are you I want to push on that timeline just a little bit. Only, only with like the encouragement of you finding that peace, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where your circumstances. I know I don't know why you can't move in for another year, but I just want to be like, what is your peace worth? Maybe it is worth working that extra shift to to get that apartment, or maybe it's worth um, living in a studio apartment with your boyfriend for the first year, which is not ideal, but to save money. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know what the right answer is there. And I don't know your circumstances, but like, sometimes we feel stuck in situations, um, often because of the shackles that capitalism puts us in, but Mm. maybe sometimes it's worth our wellness to, to 
I don't know, grease that wheel a little bit differently or something. For sure. Does that yeah. all make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Cause I think, I think it's just so much, this situation is so much more challenging because there yes. isn't physical distance right. between, right. between Jay and Jay's mom. Right. Like, like even if you are trying to reinforce boundaries and stuff, like he still has to go home to her. <laughs> like he still has to go and like yes. spend the night in the same yes. space with her, which is just like an added challenge here for sure. Yeah. I remember what I'm thinking of is like one time I was like really depressed and in like a not great situation. And my, mm -hmm. I was like talking to my sister and my, I said, Oh, well I have this lease on this apartment. You know, I can't, I can't move. I can't get out of this situation. And my sister said, people break leases all the time. And I think it was just yeah. that <laughs> tiny perspective shift of like, what are we prioritizing? It, you know, like, is, the, is there another, is there another circumstance? Is there another route that we can mm -hmm. take? Um, and I think yep. both Sam and I would prioritize that space. So if possible, go seek that space. If not, I totally get it. The second thing I want to do say to close on is just an extension of everything that we've already said in like the package of a perspective shift. I think that it's important to look at this relationship and look at this really difficult, challenging per character in your life as not a problem to be solved. Like there's nothing mm. that you can do. There's no equation that you haven't figured out yet that is going to make this person a more well-rounded, healed, emotionally mature person. Instead, mm -hmm. it's something that you need to look at that you need to weather. How are you going to, how are you going to weather this person? How are you going to weather this storm? You're not, you can't make that storm change. You're not going to like, you can't right. change the core of this person. There's no, for me, it's very beneficial for me to shift the perspective of how I'm looking at something that's bringing me stress. Am I in control mm -hmm. of it? Can I change it? Or can I change the way I'm reacting to it? Like, what is the way I've been saying peace a lot in this episode. And so maybe that's the theme, but like, what is the way I can prioritize my peace in this and not necessarily solve this thing that is bringing me conflict? Because, oft, you know, like we know, oftentimes conflicts comes from an external source and not internal. Yes. Or our, no, our internal relationship to it. Anyway. For sure. And in this, this sort of acceptance of what you can and cannot change, also accepting and loving the emotional responses that you're having to this as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Like give yourself grace for feeling resentful of, of this woman. Like, yeah, of course you're feeling resentful. Like she's <laughs> yeah. causing active harm to you and to your yeah. boyfriend. Like, yeah, absolutely. Or of course you don't like being around her. Or of course you feel weird when she's like singling him out and ignoring you for whatever reason, or like nitpicking the way he does laundry. Like, absolutely. Like those emotions and those, those feelings around this woman are absolutely understandable. Um, and so acceptance also of not only that you're in this difficult situation with this difficult person, but also that you're having difficult feelings that are coming up for them, different difficult sensations that are happening as well. Like, yeah, absolutely. This is such a tricky situation to be in um, and you're finding a way through and you are going to experience all sorts of different things in it. Um, but like Sierra said, right, how are you finding some of that peace and acceptance with all of the different aspects of your emotions and the circumstances that are happening to you? Absolutely. All right, my darling, thank you so much for listening and trusting us with this letter. We hope that this helps. We do. We love you. Thank you. 
All right. Our third letter comes from disassociated and confused lost who is who are whose pronouns are she, her and they, them, who is writing from trying to survive trigger warning for description of sexual assault. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I found y'all's podcast a couple months ago, and it has really shifted the way I think in so many healthy and important ways. I will forever be grateful for y'all, even if you don't answer my letter. I'm not really sure how to start this. I guess trigger warning for rape and sexual assault. Five days ago, the guy, I'll call him Brad, he, him pronouns, and I had been hooking up when he raped me. It started off with consensual vaginal sex, but at one point he turned me around and I felt him against my butt. So I said wrong hole. Long story short, he had anal sex with me and then vaginal sex again, which led to both a tear in my anus and a UTI. My friends have all been incredible, very supportive and fully believed me without any explanation. However, when I went to get a forensic exam done, my mom saw that I was at the hospital. So the next day I called her, made her promise to not tell anyone, and then told her that Brad sexually assaulted me. What makes it complicated is that my entire family knows and loves Brad. He is extremely well-liked and has a very charming personality. Because I will not share the details of the assault as I don't think it would help anything at all, my mom said that everything she heard wasn't sexual assault and that without knowing what happened, she has to have some empathy for Brad, which has only fed into my self-doubts and guilt over labeling someone as a rapist. Early today, she left me a voicemail, essentially trying to guilt me into telling her what happened, which is a familiar pattern with her. I was planning to tell my family today, but then I decided not to when she told me that. Yesterday, I sent a text to Brad, essentially explaining that what he did wasn't consensual or pleasurable and in fact led to a lot of pain. The tear can take six to eight weeks to heal and it currently still hurts sitting on it for too long or wearing underwear, which has been really fun. When he responded, it was essentially to gaslight me, play the victim, and claim it was an accident. However, even if it was an accident, I was unable to consent when we had vaginal sex after because I was traumatized and a lot of pain and dissociating. And also, why didn't he stop to make sure that I was okay once he realized what happened? It just doesn't really make any sense or excuse his behavior. While I want to press charges, I have decided against it because his family has a lot of money and it's his word against mine. I'm glad that I have the option if I change my mind, however. Part of me feels guilty for not pressing charges, but I also hope that this scared him straight and he never does anything like this again. Also, I have seen my therapist twice since it happened and have another appointment in a couple of days, so I am talking to someone about everything. I have a wonderful support system where I am between my therapist and friends, and I'm very thankful for all of them throughout this. I guess what I'm wondering is what advice do you have for not letting my mom's, potentially my family's words or doubts, get to me? How do I stop this pattern of people pleasing? How do I tell the rest of my family? Where do I go from here? It has been so hard to do anything, but I also haven't broken down yet. How do I heal from something that still doesn't feel real? Mm. Thank you for all that you do. Apologies for the long and heavy letter. I could just use some humble musings. Best dissociated and confused. Okay, my darling. I'm so sorry that this happened to you. I feel deeply moved that you trust Sam and I with this letter. Um, so I just want to thank you for writing and for trusting us and to say, I'm sorry that this happened to you. Um, you're not doing anything wrong right now. You're not, mm. you're not on the wrong healing path or you're not preventing your healing. You're not making a mistake. You're not, you didn't deserve this. Like, I, I think I want to start with saying I'm sorry this happened and also 
relieve you of the pressure of making the right or wrong choice or the right or wrong reaction right now. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because you are in impossible circumstances in this moment, right? Of the, the, what has happened to you and the way that people are responding, like this is trauma that you're dealing with that, that you are going through. And so, um, you are going to respond to that trauma in ways that are about self-preservation and ways that are about sort of healing or, or figuring out how to stop these things from happening. And that's exactly the way that you need to be doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I am so thankful that you have uh, support around you. And at the same time, I am so sorry that your mother is not being supportive of you and that you feel like your family is going to, uh, take Brad's side or doubt your experience, um, or tell you that what happened to you didn't happen to you or, or isn't what you say it is. Um, yeah. that is such a challenging place to be and deeply disappointing, especially with folks who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Especially from folks who are close to you and who you feel a strong connection to. Yeah. Um, I do think Sam and I can speak to like how you mitigate your expectations of your family. What, what do you owe them? What do you not owe them? But I think I first want to, I just want to like offer you some loving kindness right now. Um, because not only you're dealing with this impossible traumatic thing, as Sam says, um, I feel I feel you being, if not hard on yourself, being uncertain of yourself, right? You you ask, you know, mm -hmm. in a letter about at its core should be about like, how do I heal from this traumatic thing? You're already worrying about like, how do I deal with my people pleasing habits? Like, how do I break this cycle? Like I, there's an, there's a quiet underlying thread in this letter, which is like, I'm, I'm doing this all wrong and I'm responding wrong. Right. So I think I just want to like speak a little bit of loving kindness to that part of you, not just yeah. for your beautiful self that didn't deserve this, that is, you know, whole and, and glorious, even when you are healing, but for the parts of yourself that you maybe feel are imperfect or are failing you right now, like your coping mechanisms, like your people pleasing, right? I extend loving kindness to that part of you as well, because at their core, those responses, that anxiety, that fear is trying to protect you. And isn't it, mm. and isn't it kind of beautiful to think of our wound responses like that for a moment, you know, instead of hmm. internalizing as we've been taught to do all of this self-criticism, you know, at its core, your, your, your responses are trying to protect you, um, from the failings of the people around you, from the failings of your mother, from the failings of society, you know, of a rape culture in general. Right. So your mm -hmm. fear of how this will be received, um, is one that you were taught and given. And it's, it's one that's trying to keep you from harm, which is a beautiful and unfortunately misguided effort of ourselves. You know, I recently mm -hmm. listened to sort of a meditation that talked about like taking your anxiety 
and viewing it as a friend who's trying to help but isn't helping in the right way, right? And I think that Mm -hmm. this fear of being received in the wrong way is trying to help. It's trying to protect you, um, but it's not necessarily going to lead you to the right place of empowerment. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll say to um, what my therapist once said to me when I was going through a traumatic time as well, that this doesn't have to be the moment for self growth, right? This doesn't have to be the moment that you suddenly shed your people pleasing tendency. This doesn't have to be the moment where you suddenly are able to establish those good and firm boundaries with your, with your mother. Um, right. Because you're going through something really, really traumatizing right now and, and terrible. And I think the impulse there is often to say like, well, I, I need to make something good of this right? Something good has to come out of this so that it will have been worth it. So this is my moment to do this big change or to make myself into the person that I wanted to be. Um, And maybe it is, uh, but it also doesn't have to be, right? It can be about self-maintenance. How are you getting to the next thing that you need to do? What are the tools that you're using to help do that? Um, So I want to relieve you of some of the pressure to say like, this is the moment that I need to push back on all these people pleasing tendencies that I have. Like, I don't, maybe it is, but I don't know that it is. And it doesn't have to be right. It can just be a a moment of, yeah, I'm doing, I'm literally doing the things that I need to do in order to survive to a point where I am healed enough to be able to really contemplate what I need to be doing. That's like in addition to just surviving, just getting to the next thing. Absolutely. And to answer some of your questions about how do you not let those external doubts and external forces and people um, weaken any of your resolve or how, you know, or change the way you're talking to yourself during this time, which I hope is with loving gentleness, right? Um, Is I want to give you some affirmations to say back to yourself. Number one, when you're, and you can say this, This isn't just an affirmation to say to yourself. This is an affirmation to say to your mother or to your loved ones. You did not experience this. I did. Your expectation or definition of my truth does not impact my experience. My truth is defined only by me. You know, and and say this, you could say this lovingly to your mother who I'm having a hard time empathizing with, but her core, I'm guessing she's just trying to like, I don't know, mitigate something. I don't know. I don't know why she's responding this way, Mm -hmm. but like you can say to her lovingly, mom, you didn't experience this. You weren't there. I know what happened. I don't want, you know, I don't want to get into it because of any reason you could list there ever, but like you better understanding how this went down isn't going to change my experience of it because I know what happened. Mm -hmm. I know my truth. And just like I said in the first letter, like writing down those statements of truth helps like bolster or strengthen your understanding of those things. Right. So that when, push comes to shove and you have to say those things out loud. You have to say those impossible contradicting things because we've been conditioned to give in to people. 
you'll, you know, the script, you've written it down. You've said it to yourself in the mirror. You've said it to yourself before you're going to bed. My truth is not defined by other people. Other people did not experience this. I did. I can trust myself. Mm-hmm. I can tell my, I, I can trust my recollection, recollection of what happened. Yep. Absolutely. And finding ways to um, pay attention to the love and support and affirmation that you're getting from your friends and your therapist too, right? Like your mom is just one person in this world. She does not decide what is true or not true in this world. Um, right. And your friends and your, your therapist are there with you saying, yes, this happened to you. Yes, this is real. This is right. What does it look like to, to believe them? And I understand like the reality of, when we're in those moments of self-doubt ourselves of saying like, Oh, I can't, how could this have happened to me? Our inclination might be to believe the people who don't believe us or who mm. say that that can't happen or like are reinforcing the worst doubts that we have. But Sierra and I believe you, mm-hmm. your friends believe you, your therapists mm-hmm. believe you. This absolutely happened in the way that you happen. And the way that it happened was sexual assault is it was rape. It's exactly what you're calling it. Um, so, so, I can understand that your mom's perspective of this is probably really important to you and her perspective isn't the only perspective, right? Right. It isn't the only truth. She's not the arbiter of what happened to you because she didn't experience it. She wasn't there. She doesn't have the full story. And even if you told her every detail and she still said that wasn't sexual assault, she still doesn't get to decide what it was. Yeah. Right. She, she's not the the one who decides these things. Nobody yeah. put a crown on her and said, your mom's the one who gets to decide what sexual assault is and isn't. Yeah, that's a fucked up crown. Um, I want to also say, you know, you talk about how do you tell the rest of the family and where do I go from here? It's been so hard to do anything, but I also haven't broken down yet. There's a couple things I want to respond to in there. You don't need to tell the rest of your family unless you want to. And you Mm -hmm. get to decide what those terms are. You get to decide what the boundaries are of what they know and don't know. Um, It isn't something you're vulnerability and truth in the face of this traumatic experience isn't owed to anyone else. Just because you experienced this doesn't mean you need to get other people to believe you. Right. There's something in me that like, when I went through my first like really abusive relationship, I felt like I needed to tell people so that they could reflect back to me that that experience was true and that that you know, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that desire to be affirmed. Right. But I also think that in this victim blaming rape culture that we live in, we, we feel even as victims, we feel like we owe our story to other people and you don't, you don't owe it to the rest Mm -hmm. of your family. So if you want to tell your family, you can tell them in whatever way you want, but I just want to give you explicit permission that like your traumatic life experience doesn't need other people to witness it or to affirm it for it to be true. The other thing I want to say is we have been socially conditioned to not only do we live in a rape culture um, that deprioritizes consent communication that blames the victim um, that, that mispaints people who, um, commit sexual assault as these strangers that jump out of bushes instead of interpersonal relationships that we already have. Um, We also, on top of all of that, expect victims 
of sexual assault and sexual violence to crumble because it goes back to our society being built on a weird puritanical society <laughs> and that the like the mm-hmm. worst thing that could ever happen to somebody is to have their purity stripped from them, right? We could get into a whole other conversation about this, but the point I'm trying to make is, you know what? You haven't broken down yet. However you respond to this is the right way. Some people mm. have a car accident and they go to work the same day. Some people have the same car accident and can't get out of bed for three weeks. Us expecting victims of sexual violence to have a mental breakdown, to like be emotionally broken, is also an extension of our unfair treatment of of these victims. It's an extension of this rape culture. Um, And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying this isn't traumatic. I'm not saying you couldn't have an emotional breakdown. I'm not saying you couldn't feel deeply broken by this life experience that you never asked for, that you never deserved. But Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen so much rhetoric around victim not, it's like an extension of victim blaming. It's not only was it your fault, but like you're not responding correctly to your sexual assault. And this perspective is like heavily influenced by an article I read in Bitch Magazine like over a decade ago. Bitch Media is a feminist response to pop culture. And the article was called The Collapsible Woman, Cultural Response to Rape and Sexual Abuse by Vanessa Veselka. Um, and it just made me, I don't know, rethink our expectation of people. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I'm asking you, my darling in this very hard time, like Sam said, this is not a time for self betterment. This is not a time for self critique. You are responding in the exact right way that you need to respond in this moment. As long as you are getting your basic needs met, as long as you are eating, drinking, sleeping, being kind to yourself in whatever way that manifests, there's there's no breakdown that you need to fulfill. There's no healing checklist that you need to check off and get like approved by someone else. I think that what Sierra and I want to leave you with is, is to say that we believe you. And even if we didn't believe you, it doesn't matter because mm. what happened to you happened to you. Wow. And you, are, you get to decide whether or not that is true. And that however you're responding to this is exactly the way that you need to respond to it. I'm thankful that you're using your support system to help you through this moment because that'll help, help, you know, carry some of the stuff that you're going through. Um, And I'm also really sorry that your mom is behaving in a way that is reflective of rape culture and not reflective of her love and appreciation for you. And I wish that you were responding different. And I don't know that we can get her to do that, um, but you don't deserve the response that she's having to you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, My darling, we love you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing to us. We hope this helps. All right, everyone. That brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with... It's a documentary that like was really popular two years ago. (laughs) And I finally got around to watching it and it was just as beautiful and like perspective altering as everybody said it was um i think i put off watching it for a long time because i didn't want to be sad (laughs) you know it's been a hard couple years but it's not is this the one about the octopus it is how the fuck did you know that (laughs) how the fuck did you know that because 
I knew, I knew that you would get real sappy about that octopus for sure. Bitch, did you watch it? Number one. <laughs> no, I'm not interested. <laughs> I am gonna, I'm gonna climb through that screen and, and slap you. <laughs> okay, so it's called uh, My Octopus Teacher. It's a documentary on Netflix, and it's basically it follows the story of this real true life relationship between um, a former natural history filmmaker named Craig Foster. And he was like struggling with depression and just like kind of going through life. And he befriends this octopus um, in a South African undersea uh, kelp forest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it was a beautiful film and it was paced beautifully. And it was like, humbling to to really participate in that relationship as an observe as an observer and uh it was just wild i mean that species and what we know about underwater water life is just so it's so humbling and why eye-opening and like world expanding so uh you can eat another bag for sassing me about it (laughs) um so yeah i just like i'm sorry i'm like a couple years late on this sam's gonna be like a decade late and he's gonna text me when we're in our 40s being like i love that documentary um (laughs) but anyway it's called my octopus teacher on netflix just watch it sam (laughs) all right everyone Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes or check in topic requests. But most importantly, mm-hmm. you can submit your questions at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is the only place we answer questions. Uh, this is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to leave a five-star rating and review and uh, follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts uh, and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, editing, producing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify. And remember, other people don't define your truth. Other people don't get to choose your values, don't get to decide how you show up for yourself. They don't get unfettered access to you and they don't get to assign your boundaries. Just because you have a history, just because this is an important relationship still doesn't mean they get to touch your peace. And if all else fails, just break up.